encourage you now to turn in your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy. As we look into the scriptures this morning, the series we have been touching on is a series of messages on the subject of discipleship. We've looked at what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, and now we will turn to the responsibility of discipleship that we have to one another, to those who need to grow, which includes all of us. Second Timothy chapter 2, we will be reading verses 1 and 2. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Second Timothy, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. The text reads, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our Father, what gratitude we have for your word, which instructs, which comforts, which grants to us understanding of who you are. We pray, Father, that you would illumine our minds, fill us with your spirit, that we might know your will and know you. In Jesus' name, amen. As I thought about this passage, I thought about all of the things that I enjoy doing. And one of the things I enjoy doing is I enjoy learning. I enjoy learning, and many people, of course, would probably say they enjoy learning when it's something they want to learn. They would enjoy school, in fact, if it weren't for the homework and the tests. They would enjoy many subjects, sometimes because of who is teaching it, sometimes as well. Some things are more interesting than other things, aren't there? Those of you who are students know that in school you have some subjects that are more interesting than others that you gravitate towards that you're better at. Some things that you're really not interested in, but the person who's teaching it makes it interesting. It's like cooking shows. I don't watch cooking shows. Except when my nieces are watching cooking shows because they like to watch somebody named Alton Brown. He has this show called Good Eats. And they don't have cable, so my brother will, you know record some of these shows for them. And Alton Brown, he makes it kind of entertaining and such that you learn something as well as about cooking. Now I know why you don't take your pancake batter and just beat and beat and beat and beat all the time until it's creamy smooth. You know, I know why you don't do certain things. I, I like learning about different things. And the same could be said about teachers like, uh, maybe you know Bill Nye, the science guy. Or whatever show it might be. Guys that make things that you wouldn't normally study interesting. You know, it's all good when we are learning. And those things that we learn, we have the privilege as well to teach others. That's how it is. For those of you who are parents, you teach your kids every day. From when they're young, you teach them how to tie their shoes. You teach them why it's important to wash your hands before you eat. You teach them when they grow older how to choose foods in the grocery store. You teach them perhaps what to do and what not to do when you go driving. You teach them good manners. Why? Because you want them to grow up to be respectful, responsible adults who can function independently such that they can be people who are dependent upon God, who love the Lord and who have a good testimony for Christ. And just as you parents will take that 
responsibility seriously to help somebody else who's your child and maybe even some other children you see to help them to do the right thing. So too, we as Christians have that responsibility to one another. As we've been talking about the subject of discipleship, that is the heart of discipleship. Somebody who is there in their Christian life and you help them move along to where they could be or should be or you want them to be because you see areas in which that they need to grow. It's not that an orphan can't grow and become much more mature, but how much further along would it be if they had a big brother, a big sister, a mentor or a discipler who would bring them along? In that process in which the scriptures tell us the subject this process of discipleship, discipling somebody else, bringing them along in Christ so that they will be more mature. And that's what Paul did in this book. That's what he explains to Timothy that he needs to do. He modeled it in the life of Timothy. In fact, here he writes this book, Second Timothy. And in this book is his last letter before he is expecting to die. Here he's sitting in a cold Roman cell during his second imprisonment. Unlike the first, in the first he had at least a house that he was able to stay in. But here he's in a cold Roman prison and here he writes to Timothy who is probably in his late 20s or early 30s. He has all of these things that he wants Timothy to do. Timothy had been given charge over this church at Ephesus which was in disarray. This church had to straighten out people who were unruly. He had to teach people the things that were right because it was disorganized. People were not respecting him. He was timid. He was afraid. And Paul told him during this tough time when Nero was the emperor who was persecuting Christians, he had encouraged Timothy. And in this time, Paul as well, his own life, many people had deserted him. He said in 2 Timothy 1.15, All who are in Asia had turned away from me. And there he was. He had a few friends left. Luke, Onesiphorus, he had Timothy, he had John Mark, maybe others. But everyone else, ashamed. He was in prison, fearful for their lives. They had left. And that young man, whose name was Timothy, whose name means Honoring God had accompanied Paul many times on many of his journeys. He writes this letter to him. And he encourages Timothy. And he tells Timothy first and foremost, before he begins telling him that he needs to pass on what he's learned, before he instructs him in that, he tells him, Be strong. You therefore, verse 1, be strong in the grace that is in Christ. Do you remember in the Old Testament when Joshua was about to take the reins over for the nation of Israel. There was Moses, who had been the great leader, who had led them out of Egypt, who was the one who was revered among the people, and Moses passed off the scene. And it was Joshua's responsibility to now lead hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, into the promised land, to conquer the promised land. And God encourages him time and time again. In first in Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 to 9, three times he says, Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. It is a command of God to be strong and courageous for us. As Paul encourages Timothy, you be strong. 
It's not the type of strength that is the type that says, well, look, Timothy, buckle up, cinch up your belt and pull up your bootstraps and be strong. He says, be strong in the grace of Christ. In other words, it's the type of encouragement that says, look, I know things are difficult, but be strong. I'm praying for you. You can't do it on your own, but God will help you. You can't do it, but God can. So you can be strong, trusting in God. You can't handle it, but God can. So you can be strong, because God's behind you, Timothy. We think of discipleship, we think this way sometimes as well as Paul begins in verse 2. We think, well, you know what? Bringing somebody else along, I've got my own problems. I'm not a perfect Christian, I can't handle this. What have I got to share? Who am I? I mean, I'm not very far along. I've only been a Christian for five years or ten years or whatever. There's always, though, somebody else who needs somebody like you to be an encouragement. You say, well, I've got my own issues I've got to deal with. Yes, but if you're walking with God and dealing with them along the way, you're a prime candidate. Timothy was one who was timid. He was shy. He was a person who was perhaps... Struggling with his own confidence as a leader. But Timothy was encouraged because Paul tells him, Don't be timid. Be strong. It will be God who will use you to do great things. And he goes in to what he is to do. The responsibility to disciple others. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 2. The responsibility of discipleship is to everyone. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is a very classic and well-known text among Christians. This is what we are to do. The responsibility for everyone to pass on the heritage of their faith to someone else. To pass on the heritage of the faith. And you find it, the writers of the Psalms will continually write about this. Chapter 71 of Psalms, verse 18. When I am old and gray, O God, do not forsake me until I, what? Declare your strength to this generation. Your power to all who are to come. That's our responsibility too. The heart of the psalmist is, let me tell people about you. Psalm 145.4 One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. You have the responsibility as well as I to tell the next generation, these are the things that God has done. These are the things that God has done. By the time Timothy had been written these books, some surmised Timothy, had been following Paul along for some 15 years. And it was a time in which Paul had met Timothy. He was well known in Acts chapter 14 for his character as a godly young teenager at that time. And it was his heritage he had gotten from his mother and his grandmother And I'm sure it must have been difficult for them to let Timothy follow Paul along in his journeys. Because by the time Acts chapter 14 happened, Paul had already gone to Lystra. And you know what happened in Lystra? Paul was stoned 
He was stoned and they dragged his body outside of the city. They thought he was dead and they dumped him outside of the town. Acts 14.19 His mother and grandmother probably thought to themselves, the same could happen to Timothy. You have a man like this who's going to be bold enough to preach to some city. They stone him, they drag him outside. He's not very popular. I mean, you send somebody who's going to be a quote-unquote star to follow somebody who has success. But here's a man who's preaching and he is what? An enemy of many of the Jews. But they let him go for the cause of Christ. Timothy followed Paul. Paul ministered in Corinth. Paul sent him to Macedonia. He was with the Apostle Paul when he penned the books of Romans and 2 Corinthians and Philippians and Colossians. 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, Philemon. He went as Paul's representative to the churches at Corinth, to Thessalonica, to Philippi. He worked with Paul and Paul sent him everywhere to do things, sometimes on his own, sometimes with him, whatever it was. But at the end of the life of Paul, here Timothy was sent to this church at Ephesus to fix things, to set in order of what had to be done. And he had some big shoes to fill. There was Paul who was there who had started the church. And then there was Apollos who was a mighty, mighty preacher. And here young Timothy came, a timid kind of a fella with struggles in his own heart. And Paul tells him, look, don't be ashamed of me and my imprisonment. Don't be ashamed. Later on, we see what happened to Timothy. Church history tells us that he stood up for his faith. That he stood up to the worship of the goddess Diana in Ephesus. And he was killed for that. A significant portion of Paul's life had been poured into Timothy. Over a decade had been poured and invested into this young disciple's life. And he was afraid he might shirk back in fear. So Paul encourages him here. And he tells him discipleship is for all. But the emphasis is to be on what? Teaching. Teaching. It's amazing to think to yourself of the Christian teachers that have taught you. There was some, perhaps you've grown up in the church. You think of your old Sunday school teachers. Perhaps you've come to know the Lord later. You have various pastors or teachers that have come along. William Barclay writes, quote, The teacher is a link in the living chain which stretches unbroken from this present moment back to Jesus Christ. The glory of teaching is that it links the present with the earthly life of Jesus Christ. Somebody taught you, and for that teacher, somebody taught them. And for that teacher, somebody taught them. And for that teacher, somebody taught them. Linking the chain all the way back to Christ. And so we are to teach others. And the scriptures give us explicit instruction to do that. If you turn in your Bibles to the book of Titus, a couple of, just a book over, the book of Titus, chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, specifically instructing those who are older women to teach the younger women. Titus 2, 3 and 4, says older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips or enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good so that they may encourage the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God would not be dishonored. And this is a pattern that we are to follow. This is a pattern not only for older women, but for older men as well, to teach the younger men. Similarly, 
Imagine if everyone had to fend for themselves. Imagine if you had a child, you were raising a child at home and they had to fend for themselves. Learn to cook for themselves all on their own, figure it by trial and error, whatever it reminds us of. You know, that is not how it is. We are to teach those who have a younger faith than us. And the scriptures remind us when that comes. And that is important even among people. That those who are even physically older have a lot of practical wisdom. Wisdom. The scriptures remind us with age comes life wisdom. And many times when we're younger, those of you who are younger, you may think, gosh, I, I think I know better. I know better than my parents do. I know things. Well, there may be times when there may be things that you might happen to know that they don't know. But one thing that they have that only comes with life is wisdom. Is wisdom. So it's not to us to debate all the time and say, well, where does the Bible explicitly say that? Where does it say this or that? I'm sure you were told when you were a kid, don't cross your eyes because they might get stuck. That's what I was told. Now, there's nothing in the Bible that says I can't walk around with my eyes crossed. But it's not wise to. It would be dumb to. There's nothing in the Bible that says I ought to wash my hands with soap and water every time before I eat. No, you could argue that way and say, where does the Bible say that? You know, the scriptures tell us with age comes wisdom and you share that wisdom and you learn that wisdom from those who are older. And many times it's the application of biblical truth that is so difficult to teach. Many times it's wisdom issues that are so difficult to convey to others. What makes it a good testimony to do this or not do that? Is such a hard thing to learn. It comes with age. And that is why we are to respect those who are older. But even more so, those that are older who think biblically, who know the scriptures and who know God. We are to be people who listen to those who have biblical wisdom. Many of you know that passing on these things is important. But what does it look like? Is it just getting together with other people? Is it just having coffee and talking about the day? No. The content, thirdly, of discipleship, Paul points out here, is not just teaching to Timothy, but is entrusting biblical truth. And trust these to faithful men. It is entrusting biblical truth. It's not just getting together to see how you're doing. It is entrusting something that you're telling them, something that is of biblical truth to somebody else. And that word entrusting pictures that which is extremely important or extremely valuable. You don't go to your bank safety deposit box, open it up and stuff your old Safeway you know, receipts in there. That's not very valuable. Who cares? You put your jewelry in there. You put your title in there. You put whatever, you know, backup, whatever of your computer things in there. You put things that are valuable in your safe deposit box. And the same is to be said about the things of God. We entrust these things to those who are going to be faithful. Paul tells Timothy, retain, in one thirteen, retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me. The emphasis is on teaching. The content, though, is to be on biblical truth and trusting it to whom? Fourthly, and trusting it to people. 
Those who are faithful and able to teach. Those who are faithful and able to teach. Here Timothy was to entrust these things which he had heard from Paul. And you notice there are four generations here. Four generations. There is Paul. There is Timothy. There are faithful men. And there are others that they are to teach. Timothy was to entrust these things to those who are faithful. And that's a key idea. That's a key idea. So when you're thinking, you know what? I should pass on these things to somebody who is younger. Some of these things that I've learned, I want to do that. But whom? I have only a limited amount of time. I only have so much time. Whom should I choose? Whom should I choose to invest my life in? Well, you choose. To entrust in those who are characterized by faithfulness. Invest your time in those who are faithful in doing the small things. Or who have that potentiality of that. Invest time in those who will grow in Christ. You see, you can bring them along. Those who will be faithful. Because why? The end goal is that they will pass it along to somebody else in the future. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, boy, I sure would like somebody to help me along. I sure would like to grow. It'd be nice if somebody came alongside of me to encourage me or whatever it may be. Somebody who's more mature to ask me. Ask yourself, am I faithful? Am I faithful already in the small things? Am I faithful in, in giving of my time and life? Do you know at the end of your life, life is short. And you look back on your life at what you've invested your life in. Who is going to carry on the faith which you have treasured? Of course, if you have children, your priority is to disciple your own children. To bring them up in the fear of God. To help them to grow so that they will pass on the heritage that you have as your faith to them. But others in the body of Christ as well. Others in the body of Christ need you. As we've been studying in the book of 1 Corinthians, everyone in the body of Christ is important. You need one another. I need you. You need me. We all are a part of the body of Christ. And when we see someone else who needs a helping hand, we're to help them to grow in Christ. And there's a good feeling of having invested your life. When you look back on your life, invested your life in others. To see them walk in God's way. I enjoy doing that. I enjoy sometimes when I've had a chance to go back and talk to my friends in California about what has happened to all the kids that used to be in youth group. Oh, so-and-so has a job with such-and-such. They have such-and-such kids. So-and-so is on the mission field now. They married a missionary and they're doing whatever. So-and-so is serving in the church and they're really faithful with doing that. And there's a good, rewarding feeling that the time you invest in someone else has paid dividends in rewards that couldn't be bought with any amount of money. You bring that encouragement to others. Even as you walk with Christ. People who have been investing in your life time and time again. I remember sometimes I'd go back during you know, funerals or weddings or whatever it might be. My mother's old church where I grew up in. You know, and people see me and they're very happy. Oh, you know, and many of them yeah, I taught you when you were in Sunday school. And I don't say much sometimes because I think to myself, I never had them as a Sunday school teacher. But it makes people feel good when they have. They think they may have and I let them, you know, I don't No, you weren't my Sunday school teacher. The desire for discipleship. This whole thing is a struggle for many. Because oftentimes they can see. They can see perhaps their spouse or their child or 
Maybe their friend who needs somebody to come alongside of them, to encourage them, to bring them along. But part of the equation is that that person has to want to. They have to take them initiative. They have to take personal responsibility for their own walk in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as much as we'd like it for somebody else, for our children, for our spouse, for our friend, God calls all of them, come and walk in faithfulness. Put out the effort. Take personal responsibility. Sometimes it may not happen. It may not happen. And it's not to say that we just don't. We ignore those who are on perhaps struggling or whatnot. But there are many ministries. But if you are limited and you have to choose, Paul tells Timothy, choose those who are faithful, who will replicate their life in someone else. Paul's instruction is that there will be a few. You can invest your life in just as he had spent with Timothy for 10 to 15 years. Scriptures tell us that there are going to be a whole different number of people in the church. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, as I shared this morning, there's going to be those who are unruly. There's going to be those who are faint-hearted. There's going to be those who are weak. We're to be patient with everyone. But to invest, choose. People who are faithful, able to replicate their life. Some will go. And spend though. They'll spend thousands of dollars and years in their life. They'll have the opportunity to go to a Bible school or to a seminary or to a Bible institute or have formal training of some type. Things that many people in the world would only dream of. Things that people in the world would love the opportunity to. And yet, when they graduate, they never serve the Lord. It was all for them that they might feel better or grow or whatever it might be. But there's a responsibility to whom has been given much. Much will be required. What a blessing it is that we have here. We have here opportunity to grow, to learn, to read, to take what is a treasure and pass that on to someone else. It's not God's will that we simply learn. We all like to learn. We all like to learn for ourselves, but it is... The call of God that we pass on what we have learned to others. If you turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 5. Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 12. Here the author is speaking to these readers in Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 12. He speaks to these readers. They've been Christians for just a few years. Just a few years. But here is the expectation of them. Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 12. For though, by this time... You ought to be teachers. You have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For them, they had still wallowed in their infancy, in their spiritual infancy. God expected them to be teachers by then of others. Those who would teach other people. Whether or not they had the gift, they were to communicate biblical truth, elementary principles even, to those who were younger. It was their responsibility, their call to pass on the heritage that they had to others. They were expected to. And in whatever context God has placed you in, that is the expectation as well. 
that we communicate what God has taught us to someone else. It doesn't have to be a class. It doesn't have to be a formal setting. It can be in various contexts. It can be over a cup of coffee. Whatever it is, we are to pass on to others who are younger in the faith. And I have been blessed when I think about my own life. I've shared with you before during our church family meeting that we, I can think of three or four individuals, key individuals in my life that have invested in me over a period of time to help me to grow and be the person who I am. And I realize I have a lot to learn still, but I am indebted to them. And many times it was those things that, for me, it was caught by watching them. Not so much taught in a classroom. I watched them. I heard their heart. I learned what they did. For one, I remember learning at a young age their love for the Word of God. Their love for the Word of God. How much time and dedication they spent studying the Word of God. How their commitment was to know the Word of God so that they could teach it. Another I learned as I watched as I watched in the ministry that he was at, in which he was pounded by the congregation, sometimes scolded publicly, sometimes under political pressure within the church, how he responded with patience to every person, knowing that various people are in various situations, and how he handled his life was such a testimony to me. I learned character. I wish that I was much more like that. And to another, I remember sitting down week after week after week with another. And he taught me about how to divide the word carefully, how to be careful about studying it, how it is important to know what it says in his gentle manner, in his loving pastoral manner. I really appreciated that. And I learned from watching and spending some time, each of these individuals with a set period of time. It wasn't a whole lot of time each week or every other week or whatever it might have been. But it was time spent with others that I caught many things from them. And discipleship, as you see, is what God desires of us. Desires that we're involved in. Desires that we will help somebody else to grow. Because somebody there needs you. And you need them. It is a blessing both ways. It can be done. Some propagate well, one, one on one or one on two, one on three. Others say, well, it's like Christ, one to a dozen or whatever it might be. Some say it's a class or a program. The form isn't the issue. It might be a different form. For some, discipleship really happens as they're growing and they're learning content and they're filling out various things. They're growing because a program is really helps them to structure and be disciplined. For others, maybe they're so busy raising their family or whatnot, they just want to know from an older parent, how do you handle your own walk with the Lord when I struggle from the time I get up to the time I go to sleep with it being enough energy? Whatever it might be, how do you walk with God? And how can I be reminded of what God's Word says so that I can pass that on in wisdom to somebody else? Sometimes it's among peers who are of the same age. As the scriptures tell us in, uh, in Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. But God has not intended that we be autonomous, individualistic, such that we say to ourselves, I don't need anybody. I don't have time for anybody. I don't need somebody else. 
We need one another. Whether it's formal or informal, whether it's a small group or a large group, whatever it is, it is still for all of us. For all of us that we entrust something as valuable to us. And that is biblical truth that we're teaching someone else. It's been said, Christianity is just one generation away from extinction. But if we see our teachers who have been taught by other teachers, who have taught them, who have taught them, we have that responsibility of not breaking the chain and passing on what we have learned. So, if you died today, if you died today, would there be people who would take your faith and pass it on to someone else? To have that living legacy that you have given to them intentionally helping them to grow. You involved in that? Are you involved in that? Are you a person who is faithful? Who would be willing and able in the future perhaps to teach someone else? Or maybe even now to be willing to help somebody who is younger than you to grow in Christ? Because it's not just a responsibility. It is an expectation that God has given to you and to me. For Luke 12, 48 says, For everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much of him, they will ask all the more. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we are so very blessed to hold the word of God with freedom in our hands. To be given time understanding and life. And what a privilege it is, O oh God, when we are able to share and say to others, come and see what the Lord has taught me. Do you know what God has done in my life? To help others to grow in their struggles. To bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. To pass on to our children and those who need us, Lord. May we pass on that heritage of faith. May we be faithful to entrust to others so that they might teach others also. In Jesus' name, amen.